Welcome to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. Hi, welcome to Finish Well Radio. I'm so excited that you're here. Today we're going to talk about nine keys to financial success. You know, as Christians, we know that God is our provider and he meets all of our needs. So why do we struggle so much financially? If you're an adult and you're listening, you know that a lot of times we find ourselves in this money pit and we're trying to climb out, but it just feels like the more we try to climb out, the more we're slipping down into it. And if you're a teen and you're listening, you can be starting up habits you don't even realize will eventually lead to living paycheck to paycheck and really struggling financially. So whether you're a teen or whether you're an adult, I just really challenge you to pay attention because there is freedom. There is a plan. God has a plan for us to enjoy so much peace and so much success in the realm of money. So key number one is that God owns it all and we're his stewards. You see, Psalm 24 says the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and all those who dwell in it. That means that everything belongs to the Lord, whether we acknowledge it or not. Our needs, our bills, our possessions, our money and everyone else's, they belong to the Lord. And he is in charge. We just run things for him. And I don't know if you're like me, but boy, when I know that something belongs to someone else, I want to take really good care of it because it's precious. And that's how it is with someone else's money. Knowing that everything I own belongs to the Lord, I want to make sure that I honor it with him. But not just that, it takes the pressure off because if I have a financial expense and it's necessary and I don't have the resources. Well, it's really God's bill. It's really his problem. And he longs for us to realize that he is in control and to allow him to move in our lives. Key number two to financial success is that the tithe belongs to the Lord. The Bible says in Malachi 3.8, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house, and test me in this, says the Lord. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven, and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. You see, 90% with God's blessing is a whole lot more than 100% without it. And what can happen is that we might realize that God owns it all and trust him with our finances. But if we're not giving back to him what he requires, the Bible says we're actually robbing him. The tithe is just the beginning. We don't have to stop with the tithe. We can give 10% or 15 or 20 or whatever we've decided in our heart to give. But there's something about giving back to God that reminds us all of this is his and he is in control and we can trust him. It does take a lot of faith to tithe. But I'll tell you what, 
I have so many testimonies of God's blessing. I can remember when my husband was in seminary, and there were times that we didn't know where the food was coming, but we never considered not tithing. And I cannot tell you how many times people showed up at our door with bags of food. And it was just always miraculous in the nick of time. And that's how God is. If we put him first, if we honor him, he will honor us. Key number three to financial success is to live debt-free and love it. You see, the Bible says in Proverbs 22.7, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. So that means that if you borrow money, you actually, the Bible calls you a servant to whoever you borrowed the money from. If you borrowed money from the bank, you're a servant to the bank. No matter what debt you're in, debt always brings stress. That pressure that you don't really own anything free and clear. And there's nothing like the freedom of living debt-free. But sometimes in the culture we live in, you see something and you think, oh, I want to have that right away. So you just put it on the credit card and you get it. It might be food. It might be a car. It might be clothes. And you just pile up this debt. It just racks up and racks up. When you go to live debt-free, you can feel like you're being deprived. Oh my goodness, I have to live without all these things I want. But when you really realize that God loves to give us good things, the Bible says no good thing to see withhold from those whose walk is blameless and our walk is blameless because of Jesus. So if we really believe that, then the only thing that God would withhold from us would be something that isn't good for us. So when we realize that, we can be joyful in allowing him to provide what he will provide and allowing him to withhold what is best for us to be withheld. And that gives us a lot of joy. And I think that when you learn to live debt-free and you learn to look at God and say, okay, the credit card is not going to provide for me. God is going to provide for me. And that is just so, so, so exciting because God is so good and he delights to bless us. But he also knows what will trip us up. So instead of life becoming all about me and what I want, it becomes all about Jesus and how he takes care of me and what a good job he does taking care of me. Key number four, live below your means with gratitude. What? You're saying, I can barely make ends meet with my finances the way they are. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Have you ever thought that God perfectly planned your income? He knew exactly what was best for you. And he gives us different incomes. Mike and I have lived at so many different incomes. We have lived lavishly. We have not lavishly like we live lavishly, but we've gotten incomes where we could have lived lavishly. We have lived below the poverty line. But always our standard of living was the same because where there was a lack, God provided. Where there was an abundance, God would say, hey, you need to give some of this away or you need to save it for the future. So our standard of living has pretty much been the same all through our married life, but our income has been radically, radically different. But through it all, I think Mike and I are learning more and more to give thanks 
Lord, thank you for these hard times. Thank you for the miraculous provision. Lord, thank you for this abundance. Thank you that we're able to give to others who have need. Thank you that we're able to buy Christmas presents for our children. And just all the different things that we are thankful for. I'm so thankful for my family. I'm so thankful for my church family. I'm so thankful for God's provision. I'm so thankful for the food we eat. And all of that gratitude helps us to be able to say, okay, I do have an abundance and maybe I could tighten my belt a little and I could live on a little less. You see, people that put money aside, they learn to live below their means. In other words, they learn if their income is 5000 a month, they learn to live on four. And you think, how on earth do they do that? Well, it's changing our mindset because there is a mindset that says, I just don't have enough. And if you make a 1000 a month, you just don't have enough. But then when you make 7000 a month, it's just not enough. And there's that, that longing for more and more and more. And that is a dangerous thing. But what happens is when we learn to live on a little less, than what we make, even if we're only able to save like 10 or $20 a month, it trains us to be appreciative of what we have. And it also trains us to think in terms of the future and storing up for the future. And that brings us to key number five, ask God first. We see, we want, we buy. But is this wise? What if God wants to just give something to you? Or what if God wants to not give something to you because it isn't your best right now? Can God be the financial decision maker in your house? James 4.2 says you do not have because you do not ask God. I have a friend, well, two friends, Brian and Aisha, and I was so excited when they got married because I love them both so much. And now they're a couple and they have this beautiful son, but they are always asking God for things. They don't just go out and shop. They'll say, Lord, we need a stroller. Would you provide a stroller? And I cannot tell you how the Lord provides. And they need furniture for their house. And so they say, Lord, would you provide? And God has given them so many beautiful things. Now they've gone out and bought some things, but I cannot tell you the miracles like a couch or these beautiful bookcases they just got. And all of these things, so many are free. It's just amazing. And through my lifetime, I've seen God give us cars. I've seen God give us furniture. I've seen God give us lawn equipment. I've seen him give us porch furniture. I've seen him give us finances. I've seen him give us food. I just cannot tell you how many things I've seen God provide supernaturally without me paying a penny. And what's exciting to me about that is that if I want something, I want to ask God and God may say, okay, I'm just going to give you more money so you can buy it. Or he may say, yeah, go ahead and buy it. You have the money. Or he may say, let me just give it to you. Now, I'm going to tell you a funny story. When we had a son, we had four daughters and we lived in this little three bedroom house and then we had a son. So we're thinking, wow, eventually our son can't share a room with these daughters. (laughs) It's going to be a little weird. So what will we do? So we decided that we would pray and ask God to give us a bigger house. So we went house shopping, you know, and we went 
different to all these new developments that we're building and we tour these model homes. Well, we went into this one home. It was a very simple home, but it was very large. And it actually had a bedroom downstairs that we thought, wow, Mike could use that as a study. And it had five bedrooms upstairs. And so we were thinking, wow, that that's a lot of house. And, you know, we always have companies. Sometimes we have people live with us. So we got out of the house and we sat in the car and... Mike looked at me and he said, I know this is weird, but when we were there, I just felt like, you know, the Lord was saying, this is your house. And I said, oh, my goodness, I felt that way, too. It just felt like this is the perfect house for us and God wants to give it to us. Well, we did not think in any way that we could afford that house. But we just both prayed, Lord, if you want to give us this house, please make a way. So let me tell you what happened. My husband had a side business. He pastored and he also had a side business. Well, without working any more days in the business, God just miraculously blessed the business so that he made thousands of dollars extra every month. I am not kidding. We have never seen this happen before or since. And we were able to just save all this money for down payment. And then when we put our house on the market, it had appreciated in value. And the people who bought our house actually paid more money for the house than we were asking. So it was so amazing. And as soon as we bought the house, our income just went right back to normal. So it was like God just saying, look, I want to bless you with this house. Here is the way I'm going to do it. And so ask God first before you just rush out and buy something, especially before you use the credit card. Ask God first. That's key number five. So we've talked about five keys. And right now we're going to take a break. Before we go to the other four, we want to hear a word from our sponsor. So we will be right back. Powerline Productions wants to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus as you homeschool your children. Because of this, we offer a wide variety of books and ebooks about homeschooling as well as homeschool classes like economics, finances, and business. Meredith Curtis designed this class for high school seniors and adults. It takes an intense look at macroeconomics from a biblical free market perspective and challenges students to apply biblical principles to all aspects of economics and business. Learn more at powerlineprod.com. That's P-O-W-E-R-L-I-N-E-P-R-O-D.com. Powerline Productions. Being world changers, raising world changers. You've been listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast on the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. Now back to your host, Meredith Curtis. Welcome back. We are talking about the nine keys to financial success. And we've talked about key number one, God owns it all and we're stewards. Key number two, the tithe belongs to the Lord. Key number three, live debt free and love it. Key number four, live below your means with gratitude. Key number five, ask God first. And now we are moving on to key number six. Key number six is that God most often provides through hard work. 
Though God does provide supernaturally, the most common way God provides is through your hard work and your husband's hard work and your children's hard work. And I'm going to talk about, it doesn't have to even be a paid job, but I'll get to that in a minute. So I just want to share a couple Proverbs with you. Proverbs 21:25. the craving of a sluggard, that's a lazy person, will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. So being lazy, not working hard brings destruction. Those, and this is Proverbs 12, 11, those who work with their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies have no sense. So in essence, if you have a job before you, if you have work in front of you, it's wise to do that work because just chasing after crazy things is not wise. And finally, Proverbs 14:23 All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. So what does all that mean? You know, I remember praying with someone once and they're <laughs> they said, "Can you just pray that my work will be super easy, but I'll make a lot of profit from it?" They had their own business. So I was like, "Okay, that just sounds kind of a weird thing to pray." And then I had someone else say to me they wanted to graduate from college and they they had a lot of work that they still had to do and classes they still had to take. And so they were just really honest and they said, I want to graduate, but I don't want to do the work that it requires. So that was so honest. Like, I want the reward, but I don't want to work hard. And honestly, what I thought, wow, that is just how our culture is right now. People want the rewards of hard work, but they do not want to work hard. And for the last hundred years, we've had this phase of life called the teenage years, which before like the 20th century, they didn't really have that. And in that, in that time, the whole goal is to go out and have fun. And a teens, like maybe they have a part-time job, but they don't have to help out the family. They can just spend whatever money they make on themselves. And it creates this culture of selfishness and hedonism where we're just going to, you know, go after pleasure and fun. And that's our goal. Our goal is to have fun. We, you know, we work just hard enough to get the money we need to go out and play and there's so nothing biblical about that at all because you see God loves hard work and he gave us a biblical work week it's sun up to sundown six days a week now if you told people that today they would say oh my goodness that's breaking the law you're not supposed to work someone over 40 hours a week that's just too much but see God knew that hard work is really good for us and it's pleasurable. What? It's pleasurable? It is. In the Garden of Eden, God gave Adam a job before he fell, before Adam and Eve ate the apple or the fruit that they were forbidden to eat. They had a job and it was pleasurable. And Adam's job was to take care of the garden and Eve's job was to help him do that. And so they had this work before them and it was a blessing. And so often, you know, we have this mentality that work is awful. Oh, I hate working. Oh, you know, there's just this laziness or even I'll only work if the, if the reward is good. Like I'll only work if I have a paycheck. Well, what if moms who stay at home felt that way? Or what if people felt that way about their chores or about doing things around the house or doing things in God's kingdom? Because all of that is everybody pulling their weight. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. That's what Paul says. And in time, you'll reap 
an abundant harvest. And that's the truth is that when we work hard, it doesn't matter if it's a paid job or not a paid job, we will reap a harvest. All hard work brings a profit. And God loves to provide through our hard work. That's the number one way. Now, I'm not saying he won't supernaturally provide. And many times we've been up against the wall, like we have been working hard, we have been tithing, and something comes and we just have no financial resources that we need for some kind of catastrophe. And in those moments, the Lord has provided so lavishly. But normally, the pattern is hard work. And we can learn to love hard work. Key number seven, save for future needs. So where do you get the capital to start a business? Where do you get the money to send kids to college? Where do you get money to retire? That's right. You save it. So do your savings just magically appear? No. Remember what we talked about living below your income. The only way you'll ever save is if you live below your income. And here's some neat verses about saving. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. And Joel 2, 23 and 24, where Joel is prophesying about the restoration of Israel. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. So your threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. So what happens when there's an overflow? Well, when we have an abundance, we can give away, but we can also save for the future. And I'm not talking about hoarding where like we're just a miser like Scrooge and we just save every cent. No, we should be generous and we should give. And that's, in fact, the next key. But we also want to save for the future. And one thing that is really helpful if you want to become someone who's a saver, if you want to become someone who lives below their means, is to have a budget. And notice I didn't put, um, you know, that as one of the keys to financial success because budgets only work if your heart is right and you're willing to live by them. Budgets work if your heart is grateful for God's provision, not if your heart is Um, discontent or just unhappy and you feel like God has forgotten me he just doesn't care about me I'm just so poor you know budgeting won't work if your heart is like that but budgeting works with a glad heart that says Lord thank you so much this is all yours anyway help me honor you with it and budgeting works when our heart is to live below our means and to save for the future and to work hard and um, so you know, budgeting can definitely work, but the key is really the heart behind budgeting. So, you know, when you're thinking about saving for the future, in our budget, we have a lot of saving compartments that we put money into each month. So like we have a car repair budget and that's just saving a little bit of money every month for car repairs. So we might go for 12 months and not have any car repairs at all. So that little part in our savings is just growing and growing. Then when we have something big happen, like the transmission, we're like, oh good, there's enough in our car repair savings to cover that. 
But if we just spent all our money, we wouldn't have money saved up for things like that. So having a budget with compartments, a lot of times when you have a really good budget to live debt-free, you have to have savings things like you save for a new car, you save for a new appliance and things like that. So budgeting is a really helpful way to live debt-free and to save for future needs. Key number eight, be generous. You cannot outgive God. God takes giving personally. He loves to bless those who are generous. And I want to share just a couple of my favorite verses. Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then Proverbs 19.17 says, Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. Other versions say, and he will pay them back. So, wow, if you give to the poor, God takes it like a loan. Okay, you loan me money, Meredith, but now I'm going to pay you back. That is phenomenal because he tells us to be kind to the poor. So he could just say, okay, well, you did what you said you're supposed to do. So why should I do anything for you? But no, he says, wow, when you do that, I love that. And it's as if you lent money to me. I'm going to pay you back. And so you just can't outgive God. You give stuff away, you give stuff away, and he just lavishes you back with all kinds of blessing, financial and otherwise. A generous heart. Sometimes, you know, we're in a financial situation where we don't have money to give. and But we can be generous with our time or we can be generous with possessions. Maybe we have something that someone needs and we can either lend it to them or give that, it to them. So those are just a few tips on being generous. Finally, our final key is key number nine, be choosy about how you spend your money. Think and pray first before you start spending money. What do you need? The Bible says, James 1, 1, 5, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Now, I want to talk a minute about trendy versus quality. You know, in clothing, like there's trendy clothes and there's quality clothes that just never seem to go out of style. I have a coat that I got in college. I'm so embarrassed to tell you that, but it's the truth. My grandmother bought it for me in college, and it's this beautiful coat, and it's still like it's this wool coat, all-weather coat, and it's wonderful, and it's, of course, I live in Florida, so that's why, you know, I have this 40-year-old coat, but it's not out of style. It still looks amazing, and that's what is, you know, cool about getting some really quality pieces of clothing, buying quality furniture, buying quality things because we can spend money like small amounts of money over and over and over on cheaper things things that won't won't last very long but when you add up the price of buying something quality versus buying something cheap over and over again you really end up saving money when you buy something quality but of course you have to be content with that and You know, there's some things like maybe you buy some quality skirts or dress pants, but then you buy some trendy shirts, you know, because they go in and out of style. So 
think about what you want and where you want to spend your money, but think about investing in quality, like when you're buying appliances, when you're buying furniture, when you're buying clothing staples. You know what I mean? Like you need a coat, you need bathing suit. For instance, my bathing suits, I'll buy bathing suits at Land's End, even, and I, I buy it on their big sale, like after summer sale, I'll buy my bathing suits. Now, Land's End's bathing suits are more expensive than other bathing suits, but they'll last me like 15, 20 years. So that's a miracle, like especially when you live in Florida and stuff like that. So anyway, those are just nine keys to enjoy financial success. See, when we, when we order our finances and do things God's way, we walk in his blessing. And he does give us financial blessing, but he gives us financial blessing so that we can bless him, honor him, and bless others. He doesn't want our life to be self-focused and centered only on ourselves. Money is just, it's a tool. It's a tool to build up his kingdom. It's a tool to be generous to others. It's a tool to provide for our needs and some of our wants. I don't I don't think we should be misers. The Bible says God created all things for us to richly enjoy. But he doesn't want us to be living a self-centered, selfish life. He wants us to be living a generous, other-centered life, and especially a God-centered life. Now, if you're listening to this and you say, Meredith, you have no idea. My finances are such a mess. I agree with everything you're saying, but there is no way I will ever enjoy financial freedom or success. Well, I say to you, then you have not met my God because he is the God of miracles. And if you have blown it in the financial realm, it is never too late. God comes through. And if you honor him and do things his way, you will be so surprised how your finances turn around. And I'm not talking about in a week or a month. You have to set this as a new course in your life. So the first thing I would do if you find yourself in a financial mess is to surrender your financial mess to the Lord and say, Hey, Lord, I have blown it. Will you forgive me? And I'm just giving you this big mess. If you have debt, you want to pay it off. If you're not tithing, you want to start tithing. So start tithing, start paying off debt, even get extra jobs to pay off the debt, you know, and just use that income to pay off the debt. Give away your time and possessions because now all your money is going to go to paying off this debt. So still be generous, but you might have to be more creative in being generous. Make a budget and stick to it. And give thanks in everything. Lord, thank you so much that you're going to rescue me. Thank you that you got my attention. Thank you that I've surrendered to you. Thank you that you're moving in my life. Thank you for providing that free dinner last night. You're so gracious and so good. And then work hard. If you're a lazy person, just say, Lord, I'm a lazy person. Give me a love for hard work. I want to be transformed. And then finally, just wait. Just wait. You watch and you'll see. God is so good. He's the restorer of all things. And I hope and pray that in this year and all the years to come, God will bless you abundantly so that you can be a blessing to everyone in your world. Have a wonderful week. God bless. See you soon.
Thank you for listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. 